Hi, this is Pastor Rick. I love On Demand. I always say that because I really do. Because people who come to On Demand have made a decision to hear a word from God today. And today, I've got a great word for you. It's a word about a man who was determined and on fire. He was incredible. He did something that has never been done before and I don't believe will ever be done again. This is a guy that you're going to love. So I want you to stay with us and I want you to get ready for an incredible time. It's going to be a great journey. Bible's open to Genesis chapter 6 and get ready for a great journey. Talk with me, please. Say, deciding, deciding. To, be to be determined and on fire. And on fire. Not just determined, but on fire. There's literally smoke coming from your life. I want to tell you about a man today who was on fire. Let me ask you a question. What if someone came to you and told you they were building a spaceship to save the world from an alien invasion that would destroy everyone and imagine if the only people they told you were going to be saved was their family. First of all, you look at them and say, let me see. You say, so it's going to be an alien invasion and it's going to destroy everybody. Would, how would you view that person? Believe it or not, in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 6, there's a man named Noah. When he stood up and he told everybody he was building this ship called the Ark, and uh, they knew what ships were, but they never saw a man build a ship with no rudder. They didn't understand why he would build something so large. And it was just an amazing moment. And it sounded like the story I just told you. It had the same impact. Just like you would think something's wrong with Pastor Rick. They saw something that was wrong with Noah. This was a guy, though, despite that, he was determined. He was determined and he was on fire. And what's interesting is it was a long, long journey for him. There are five observations I want to make on the front end of this talk. And there are five things I want you to think about in this man's life. And then I'm going to show you his life briefly for just a minute. First thing I want you to notice is this was a guy who started building and he never stopped for 120 years. Now, I've had some building projects, but I've never had one that was 120 years. Some of you get on a job, and you've been there for four years, and you're already tired. You go to a church two years, a year, you give a pastor about a couple of sermons, and you're out. So here's a guy. He never stopped. The question is, have you ever done that? Number two, he never complained. You don't find any complaints anywhere in Scripture from Noah. Can you do anything that long without finding some fault? Thirdly, he never lost sight of his mission. You know, I am convinced that sometimes God wants to bless us, but we don't, we don't, we're not stable enough to be blessed. You never stay one place long enough to get promoted or to show value. Fourthly, I love this part. He invested his own money. Say that out loud. Come on. He, he didn't have any outside investors. So God comes to you and says, okay, I want you to build a spaceship out of your, out of your paycheck. That's interesting. <laughs> so you got to chop down every tree 
you got you to gotta do all the wood. I went to something. Now, this did influence my sermon a little bit. I went to something called the Ark Encounter in, in um, where's that thing at that? It's in um, Kentucky. Ooh, that was an amazing experience. I, you know, I, first of all, you know what I thought about? Could God even tell me to build something? And I know how to do it. He had to be smart. He had to be real smart for God to just give you the measurements without all the intricate details and you figure out everything else. He had to figure out all the sizes, the corners, the beams, the angles, the type, how to use the gopher wood. All that had to be figured out. So I, I believe that sometimes God can't choose some people because they, they can't do what he wants them to do. This was a smart guy who could not only do what he wanted him to do, but was passionate about it. That's why he chose him. There's something about being smart. There's something about being a person who seeks to learn. He didn't go to any colleges. There's no colleges for him to go to. But wherever he learned it, he learned it. It's amazing. And I love the fact that when you look at his life, he's focused on his family. This was a guy who cared about his children. And God calls him, and I want to show you God's plan. Genesis chapter 6, verse 9. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man. Perfect in his generation. That's pretty strong. He's a mature. The word perfect really means mature. He's a mature man in his generation. Noah walked with God. Think about that, folks. Look at it. He was just, perfect, and he walked. He did what was right. He was a man who was mature, and he was a man who walked with God. God didn't have to drag him. God didn't have to make him, remind him. He walked with God. Now, what's amazing is he had three kids, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. I love the fact that when God looks at this man, he starts with him because this is the kind of guy that God can work with. He wants to do what's right. Think about this for a second. This is not a guy that has to be dragged. This is the person who, who gets it. There's something about being around people like that. You could never accomplish the kind of work he had in mind for him unless he had this mindset. Here's the question. Could God, look at the preacher for a second, ask you to do anything for an extended period of time? Could he, could he get you to dedicate your life to anything? Is, is, are, you that, are you that focused? Do you kind of drop in a minute with him here and there and a couple of seconds there, a quick prayer, normally about something you want? What kind of, what, if you had a love relationship with a person the way you have a love relationship with God, what would it look like? What would it be like? And if you got really practical with that, we can spend a lot of time talking about that, but this is the kind of guy that God can work with. And secondly, notice that God has come to a conclusion. The Bible says in verse 3, the Lord said, my spirit, read this out loud with me, just come on, come on. My spirit shall not strive with man forever. I am not going to shield man forever. That's what he means when he says strive. I'm not, I'm not. I'm, going to, I'm not going to protect you. For he is indeed flesh. Yes, his days shall be 120 years. 120 years from now, I'm dealing with this guy. Mankind has changed. And I'm not going to always shield him. Now, there's an insight when you read what God says in small print. I will not always shield you 
from a bad outcome. I won't. And if you look around us, a lot of what we're dealing with in the world, in the criminal justice system, a lot of what we're dealing with with our kids is stuff we created. Now, we can act like we don't know how it happened. We can act like we understand. But please understand, these are your children you're sending to school. The teacher didn't raise them. Can I get an amen, somebody? These are your kids. This is your marriage. These are your finances. You sign on the dotted line. There comes a moment in life where God says, I'm not going to shield you. And he told them, he said, no, no, um, Noah, it's not going to be forever. Verse 13, notice number three, God was committed to ending unhealthy behaviors. This is a strong moment. Verse 14, 13, and God said in Genesis 6 to Noah, the end of all flesh has come before me. For the earth is filled with, listen to what he said now. Repeat it with what he said, violence. Look at that, violence. Through them, and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Now, I want you to just think about what this means. God comes to Moses Noah and says, I'm, 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 I'm going to destroy everything, but I want you to make something for yourself. I want to protect you. Now, I, I would think this is emotional. Verse 14 of chapter 6, number 4 in your notes. God was committed to a specific design of the boat he told him to build. He wanted to build a flat-bottom rectangular vessel, 450 feet long, 75 feet wide, and 45 feet high. Verse 14 says this, mark yourself, make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make yourself an ark. Read that with me, please. Come on. And he goes and tells him what to do. Make make it in these dimensions. So you're going to destroy everything, this is your plan, and you want me to build a place I can hide so I don't get destroyed with everybody else. Now this is tough because we're talking about his cousins, his mama, his daddy, anybody else around. Anybody else is around who's going to, anybody else who's alive is not going to make it. That's what he says. This is a painful moment. Now, now please just hang with me. It's going to get better hopefully here. Verse 17. And behold... Chapter 6, verse 17, I myself am bringing floodwaters on the earth to destroy them from under heaven, all flesh in which it is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall go into the ark, you and your sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. So notice there is a specific consequence. It's, it's, it, this is not something that can be avoided. Now, Please notice God had a specific group of people he was, he was determined to save, Noah and his family. Now, this is, this is tough stuff. I, I read and I go, wow. I mean, man, that's, what do you do with that? And, 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 and nobody around him believed it. Nobody thought it was It was true. But he was on fire. Now, here's a question. Do you lose fire because nobody believes you? How well are you at working alone? How good are you at standing by yourself? How, how much do you depend on the support of others? So here's what he had to do. He had to spend his own money. He had to spend all these years 
building this thing. He had to get his kids involved. He had to hire contractors. He had to design the thing. He had to go through all this hard work. I mean, this is a life commitment. Now, he lived to be 950 years old. So he didn't even start having kids. He's about 500. That's a good time to start a family, I think. You know what I'm saying? He really was about 500 years old when he started having children. And then the flood came, and then he lived 350 years after the flood. So the flood was an event in his life. It wasn't all of his life. A very small part of his life, but a major, major part of his life. Everything in this story points to some powerful lessons for all of us. And I want you to see them, first of all, in the life of Noah. First of all, notice his determination. Hebrews records this in this way. Hebrews eleven seven says, By faith Noah, being divinely warned, that's all he had was a warning, of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. This was a guy that didn't have to see it. Jesus said it this way, Blessed are those who have not seen but yet believe. Some people are driven only by what they see. But this guy, what made him special was he was a godly guy. He feared God, prepared the ark for the saving all this was about the saving of his what? Household. Hebrews eleven seven. 7. It's about the saving of his household. And there's something about being clear. I'm trying to get you to do one thing today. Think about yourself. Noah was building this ark not to save anybody because, listen to me, they were not going to listen to him. One thing I've learned as a preacher is I just can't get everybody to listen. They're not, they're not, they're not changing their mind. And so Noah builds the ark, and it was amazing. He listened, he moved, he prepared. Say all three, come on. He listened, he moved, he prepared. He didn't just listen. He built the ark. He, he, he moved on it, and he had a godly fear. This is no game. And then he was prepared when the time came. I love this. You know, there are moments in life when, you keep talking and saying and planning, but you never do anything. And, and, and the Bible gives a, a, another record in Matthew where it says, and they, they, they partied until the days the flood came. They were, they, were, they, they were on the dance floor. They were in the other woman's house or whatever, how, on the day that the flood came. How long? Has God been warning you? How long? Sometimes when I deal with people, I have to remember, I, I meet them at 11.59. God told them at 9 o'clock and 6 o'clock about your health, about your money, about your attitude, about your temper, about your choices, about how, how many sermons have you heard, songs have you sung, how many times has God tried to say it to you? It's amazing that we don't listen. So there are four lessons that I think God is determined to teach us in this story. One is everything that will save you will come with a cost. Say that with me, please. Come on. Everything that will save you will come with the cost. He was not going to be saved unless he built the ark and spent the 120 years getting it done. There is a cost attached to saving you. You may want God to deliver you in some area of your life, but there is a cost. Some is high, some is low. It's low to have better health. You just need to walk. 
You can put on your earphones and walk, but you can save your life by being honest that this cigarette is killing me. And I need to, I need to deal with this issue because, th- and it will cost me something. It's not painless. My temper is costing me jobs, costing me money, my approach to conflict. Everything that will save you will cost you something. Number two, everything you have now eventually will end. That is a thought for me. Everything that I have now will end. Thirdly, everyone and every relationship will end. Everybody that you know. That was what Noah had to think about. Everybody's going to leave. When they got on that boat, God locked the door, the Bible says. He couldn't let anybody in. And you get to that point in your life when you can't save somebody. And then fourthly, everything that has started will start over again. Please ask these nine. That which has been is what will be. That which is done is what will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which it may be said, see, this is new. It has already been in ancient times before us. One day, somebody will be the pastor of Overcome by Faith. Someday. Not today. And he may not be as handsome as me. I'm telling you right now, he's probably not going to be. Oh, help me, God. Bad joke, but you. I told a kid that the other day. I was teasing with him. I said, one day you have another pastor. He won't be as handsome as me. Probably have a bigger head. That's kind of, he laughed. We laughed. My point to him was what I'm making to you. Everything ends. And I would guess he'd be handsomer or she'd be handsomer prettier or whatever. I mean, I, I just don't, I don't believe that after living all these years that you get to stay. And here's what you do. Ask a widow who's dating again. Just ask a widow. Ask a divorced person who's now striving to rebuild their life. Ask somebody who's retired from a career. Ask them what's it like to see things start all over again. I've been in this church pastoring for 38 years in December. And in that length of time, I have had multiple staffs. I've had a lot of people come. I've had thousands of members over the years. And it's really amazing to start over. Some of you are in that place right now. You're starting over. But God is still God. And God's able to give you a start-over plan. And God's able to give you life beyond the ark. Come on, say amen. amen. Come on, give God a big hand. I believe that. Are you the kind of person that God could have chosen? I want to be the kind of person that when God looks out over the world and God sees us, that God can say, that's a guy I can choose. I can, I can use him. I can 
I can use his life. He can be the guy that can help me make a difference in the world. He's not afraid of a long-term challenge. He's not afraid of something that's expensive. He's not afraid of being mocked by people. He's not afraid to be alone. I want you, if we can, to join me in a moment of prayer. Because some of you, this sermon speaks to you. It speaks to your heart. It speaks to your mind. It's got you thinking. Some of you would want to stay where you are, but you can't. You've got to start over. For some of you, you're watching people that will not come into the ark and change their life. And you have to watch yourself be saved. This is one of the hardest things about success, to watch yourself be saved and somebody else be lost. To watch yourself prosper and watch somebody else struggle. It's hard sometimes to go in the ark and say, I cannot spend any more time coaching, reminding, telling, warning that season's over. It's hard to watch somebody walk off of a job. It's hard to be the boss who has to make that hard decision. But there are times when you have to get in the ark and you can't be responsible for them. This is their life. That's their life. And let me tell you, it's really hard when it's your children. It's hard when it's your brother. When Noah got in that ark, he left mama, brothers, cousins, family members, nephews, nieces, friends, neighbors. There is a time in life when it is all about you and your family. There is a moment when you cannot invest anymore or you will drown with them. You have a choice, Noah. I want to ask you, where are you right now? I know this is tough for you because your mind is running through thoughts and series of ideas and circumstances. I'm not telling you to not try to help people. I'm not telling you to get in the ark before you should. I'm not telling you to ignore folks. But there comes a day. There comes a moment when the Lord says, I'm just talking to you. So with your hands lifted, do me a favor. We're done. Stand on your feet. We're going home. Father, today, we believe that the hand of God on us is real. I must embrace my season with fire and passion. I don't need people to motivate me or encourage me to do right. I want to be like Noah driven by an inner passion and fire. I want to be a smart guy. I want you to be able to tell me to do things, organize things. I want to be able to do, you just tell me what you want me to do. And I want to be smart enough and gifted enough to put a a plan in place to make the will of God happen. You just told him to build an ark and you told him the size of it. He sat down and drew up the rest of the plan. Help us be a smart church. Help us have smart families. Make good decisions. 
And Father, in Jesus' name, help us to not need people to do right. May we be like Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Somebody watching me from home. Somebody. You're in a place now and God is giving you a warning. Get in the ark. Save yourself. You can't save everybody. You got to save yourself. You can't drag everybody. You have to determine, say it in your life, I am determined to do what God has spoken to my life. And so, God, we close the service today believing that lives have been touched. And there are people in here right now that need to give their lives to Jesus. And if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed and you say, Pastor, what you said spoke to me. I get it. I want you to light a fire under my life, Lord. I want you in my life for real. I want to serve you. I want to give you my life. If you're here today and you want me to pray this final prayer for you because you want to surrender your life to Jesus for real, no games. I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you. Who say pray for me, Pastor? Raise your hand. Let me see you. Who am I saying pray for me? I see you. Anybody else saying pray for me today? I see you. Where are you? Just raise your hand. Put them back down. Father, I see you. Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. I see you. Father, I pray for all those who raise their hands and many who raise their hearts today, both here and at home. Some are on demand watching this. And may the hand of God touch them. May this be the moment that they said, I gave my life to Jesus. I am going to join God in building a future for my life. I'm going to take as long as it takes. And I'm not going to allow myself to be distracted. If people go with me, they go. If they don't go, they don't go. But I trust you with my life. In Jesus' name. And everyone say amen. Are you glad you came today? I hope you are. Okay, you've heard the sermon and now you know. This guy's name was Noah and he was incredible. He did something that was amazing. He modeled determination for us and he modeled this on-fire attitude. A determination that lasted not just a week, not just a month, but for years. I mean, it's incredible how he accomplished so much. Now, here's the question for you. What did you learn today? And how will you apply it to your life? Will you become this determined person who is on fire and ready to get it done? Or will you quit and give up and surrender? Because it's not easy, because you're by yourself, or because nobody else is with you but your family. He didn't care. He stayed tuned in no matter what. So I want to pray for you. Father, I pray for those who watch today who've been discouraged because the job is big, the task is large. May they learn to trust you in the middle of this time and press forward and build the things that will protect their family and build the things that will protect them. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, it's a joy being with you. I'll see you next time as we continue our study. We'll talk more about decisions down the road. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be great stuff. See you next time. Bye-bye.